Welcome to the Old Time Radio Superman Show. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, adam at adamsweb.us, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. Also, I want to encourage you to pick up the Powerhouse Heroic Adventures Bundle. If you love a fun superhero story, I think you'll enjoy this. It collects my first three superhero comedy novels all in one uh, easy to download package. It's available as an ebook wherever fine ebooks are sold, or also as an audiobook through audible.com or the iTunes Store. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Superman. The original air date is July the 13th of 1948, and it's The Voice of Doom, Part 5. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, resumes his pursuit of Butcher Stark as he discusses with Bruce Wayne the escaped convict's fantastic new power that may surpass even his own might. You see, Bruce, Stark's big trump card is the sonic power of his voice. He can make people uncomfortable when he merely whispers. Don't I know it. If he raises his voice only a trifle, he shatters anything made of glass. If he should ever shout at the top of his lungs... Oh, I hate to think what would happen then. After all, Kent, you're Superman. Yes, yes, and that makes me more vulnerable than anyone else. Well, how do you figure that? Being Superman, I'm gifted with keener hearing than anyone in this world. Therefore, I'm more sensitive to Stark's voice than anyone. And if I don't find some way to conquer the sonic power in his voice, I'll lose again, and I'll lose every time we meet. Gang, I'm sure you've all seen Abbott and Costello in the movies. Well, do you recall how those poor guys always take it on the chin? Yes, I do mean always. Why, if there's a bucket of glue a mile off, you just know they're going to fall in it. And if custard pies are being thrown, you just know who's going to get hit in the face. Yet you always laugh, you love it. Everybody just howls with laughter because, naturally, a fall guy is very, very funny. Well, what do we mean by fall guy? Just exactly that. The guy who falls for everything. The stooge. The bird who puts his foot into it by swallowing what other people tell him. Oh, sure, there's plenty that's likable about some fall guys. Mostly, though, we just laugh at them. But certainly, nobody wants to be a fall guy in real life. But without knowing it, lots of people are. For instance, when you swallow phony rumors about persons whose race or religion is different from your own, you're being a fall guy for the troublemakers. And when you allow prejudice to influence your opinion of another fellow, uh uh-uh, watch out, you're being a fall guy. Or when you fail to look for character as the most important quality in your friends, which is much more important than what side of the tracks they live on, Just remember, pal, in funny movies, people like Abbott and Costello are always getting in Dutch for trusting the wrong people. In other words, don't let mean people with mean ideas ever take you for a sucker. Be alert. Be alive. Be on your own. Know which way you're going. That way you won't ever be the fall guy who goes kerplunk, yes, kerplunk, in a bucket of glue. (laughs) 
And now, the adventures of Superman. Created by the chance fusion of man's mechanical genius and the awesome power of the elements, the escaped convict, Butcher Stark's deadly strength is now a servant to his warped criminal brain, transforming him into one of the most dangerous men alive. And to Superman falls the gigantic task of finding one man in a city of more than seven million. As our story continues, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, is in his midtown apartment, where he discusses the situation with his friend Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman. Together, they try to formulate a plan for their next move. Metropolis is a big town, Bruce. It's going to be a tough job. You bet. How are we going to find him? First, we must make sure he does not leave Metropolis by asking Mayor White to order the police to guard every road, bridge, and tunnel leading out of the city. Okay. Then what? Well, Stark may have come to Metropolis because he knew someone here who would hide him. So maybe if we tackle that angle, we could check his pals from two sources, the state prison and the police records here. I see. Then we narrow the field down by checking up on each one personally. Is that it? Just about. Now, you go up to the state prison. And... I was afraid I'd get that job. And remember one thing, Bruce. We've got to move fast. If Stark should ever get smart enough to know how to use his Oh, power... brother, anything can happen. Right. At present, Stark knows how to use his voice, but he doesn't know what to do with it. We've got to catch up to him before someone with brains takes him in hand. Well, talking about it won't get us anywhere. Right, let's go. Oh, wait, you've got company. Oh, great, of all times. Oh, no, you stay back. I'll answer it. Say you're not home. Good idea, Bruce. Yes? Mr. Clark Kent's apartment? Yes. Thank you. Just a minute. He isn't home. Isn't home? Then who's that? Why, uh... You are Mr. Kent, aren't you? Now, now, look here. Oh, let it go, Bruce. What can I do for you, miss? I'm Miss Graham, your nurse. I've been assigned to your case by Mr. White. Now, will you please go to bed? I'm not sick. On the contrary, you're quite ill. A brain specialist and a psychiatrist will be here in a few minutes to examine. What? Oh, brother, this is rich. It's no laughing matter. Mr. Kent is very ill. Now, will you kindly go into your bedroom and disrobe, Mr. Kent? And you, sir, please show me where the clothes are. <laughs> well, uh, here, I- I'll show you, Miss Graham. You should be getting into bed. Yes, yes, sure. All right, all right. Here, here here's the closet. Oh, thank you. Now, will you please... Sorry, uh... Miss Graham, but I have to do this. <laughs> Clark, what are you doing? Hand me that chair. Hurry. Yeah, here. There. Yeah, that should hold her. But you can't leave her locked in that closet. She'll only be there a few minutes. You heard her say a couple of doctors were coming. I'll leave the front door open for them. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Together, the two men stride quickly down the hall to the self-service elevator, and Kent jabs angrily at the call button as Bruce Wayne stands by, smiling broadly. When the elevator appears, two distinguished-looking men step out. Kent ducks his head in quick alarm. Doc, Bruce, quickly! Hey, what goes here? Quiet. Okay, but... Okay, come on, Bruce, fast. Boy, that sure was close. You think those were your doctors? And they looked like it. Now, look, you beat it up to the state prison, and I'll check the police files. And we'll meet this evening in my apartment. Meanwhile, some distance across the city, a strange meeting is taking place in a large warehouse near the waterfront. Contrasting strangely with the dusty, crate-filled storage chambers is an ornate private office where soft, indirect lighting gleams over a deep tufted carpet, heavy mahogany desk, and comfortable chairs. However, the calm, peaceful setting belies the scene taking place in the room as a man and a woman face each other across the desk, his eyes cool and mocking, hers flaming angrily. Well, Vico, what do you say? So the, uh, famous Scarlet Widow comes out of the, uh, shall we say, retirement with another one of her fabulous plans for power, eh? You may skip the sarcasm, because I didn't ask for comment on my plans. No, you ask for my help so that you can regain your former position, correct? Yes. Well, what's your answer? My answer, madam, is no. You're a fool. No, I'm now a respectable businessman. Oh, you've become soft. Because. Not soft, Widow. Just careful. 
You know, the law in Metropolis has been very stiff since Perry White became mayor. <laughs> so, you're afraid of White, eh? Maybe yes, maybe no. Anyhow, I see no reason to risk my new reputation by helping a has-been. How dare you say such a thing to me? <laughs> if you'll excuse me, widow, I'm a very busy man. Wait! Because you must help me. You must. I told you I'm busy. The door's behind you. Good day. Very well. Thank you for giving me so much of your valuable time. I shall not bother you again. That will suit me fine. Goodbye, but... Vicar. Santa Marie. Hello, Vicar. Oh, Surprised to see me, eh? Whirling in the direction of Vico's horror-stricken gaze, the Scarlet Widow sees the large hulking figure of a man framed in the doorway. A man she doesn't recognize, but one whose hoarse, quivering voice immediately identifies him as Butcher Stark. What is the escaped convict doing here? What will this meeting mean to Superman? We'll learn more in just a moment, gang. So keep listening. Listen, gang. The other day I found a reaping which seemed just about half ebbly, so I unlocked the silver sill and bonked the Peppersby. What's that? You didn't catch what I said? Why, it's perfectly simple. All I said was the other day I found a reaping which... <laughs> okay, gang, I'll stop. You probably guessed I was trying to talk double talk. Have you ever heard a real whiz give out with a double talk? I have. Guys, they can go on for five minutes before it suddenly dawns on you what they're talking about is really gibberish. And, of course, the reason for that is that they interlace their nonsense with just enough familiar words and phrases. That's how they fool you. And that's how a lot of people get roped into believing false notions. Slick talkers have a knack for using familiar important words and phrases. Good, meaningful words like maybe uh, Americanism, civic duty, strong, healthy country. Nothing the matter with words like that. They're good, worthwhile words, all of them. Except it all depends on how they're used. These double-talk jokers I'm referring to have a way of misusing them. For instance, they'll talk about a strong, healthy USA, but they sandwich into their chatter so many vicious, false ideas that what they really mean is a weak, divided USA. Oh, you've probably heard them. Insults against people of another religion, narrow-minded prejudices, two-bit opinions about everything and everybody. Half the time, they get so wound up, they don't know where their own ideas are taking them. Well, gang, there's a lovely expressive word for what comes out of their mouths. We call it gobbledygook. The word doesn't make sense, but then neither do they. And now... Back to the adventures of Superman. Having been denied assistance for some strange new scheme to return to power, the infamous Scarlet Widow, one of Superman's most hated enemies, was about to leave Big Frank Biko's office in a downtown warehouse when the door opened to admit Butcher Stark. Now the Scarlet Widow stands in the doorway, transfixed, as Stark lumbers toward the desk behind which Biko is slowly rising from his chair. Hello, Biko. Surprised to see me? What? What are you doing here, Butcher? I thought you... You thought I was up in the state pen, getting ready to walk that last mile, huh? It's supposed to happen tomorrow, but it ain't gonna happen now. Well, uh, what are you doing here? I figured you'd want to help me, Vico. Seeing as how you didn't cover for me at the trial like you were supposed to. Well, that, uh, that was a mistake. Sure, sure. So now you're gonna make up for it, ain't you? How do you mean? Hide me someplace till the heat's off. And give me some dough. Say a grand a week. Regular. See that I go on living nice and easy. Get your hands up, Butcher. Put down that gun. No, not until you're back in the death house where you belong. Put it down, I say. Oh, what? The... Drop the rod. My head. Oh, my head. I picked up a mighty fancy trick since I've been gone, Vicko. Oh, 
you do it with your voice? Just your voice. I could feel it myself. Yeah. Pretty good, ain't it? Pretty good. My friend, you don't know how good. Sit down. I'd like to talk to you. Thrown off guard by the sudden oily sweetness in the Scarlet Widow's voice, Butcher Stark allows himself to be pushed into a chair and listens as she begins to speak quickly and forcefully. So now, what Superman and Batman have most feared has come to pass. Butcher Stark's terrible power is revealed to someone who knows how to use it. And as Superman said, anything can happen now. You won't want to miss our next action-packed episode tomorrow, gang. So be sure to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. And hear Chapter 6 of The Voice of Doom on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman adventure serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Adventure Parade, which follows in just a moment. And right after Adventure Parade, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston Straight Shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.